This morning I'm going to talk about if you want to enter in fully into what God has got for you, then you've got to be willing to battle through. And I want to start by talking to you and telling you about the greatest football match that I have ever been to. Um, back in 2001, Liverpool won five trophies in one year. Now it's impressive if we win five games in a year. Um, but that year we managed to win five trophies. And one of those trophies was the UEFA Cup. And um, we got through to the semi-finals. It's now called the Europa League. Um, but we got through to the semi-finals and we were playing Barcelona. And we drew the first leg uh, away, nil-nil. And when it came back to the home leg, the, the game at Anfield, a Liverpool Football Club decided that they were going to release tickets on general sale. And that very rarely happens. Um, it's really hard to get hold of tickets, but they put all these tickets on general sale. And me and my mate decided that we were going to get tickets. So we, we knew that the ticket office opened at 8 o'clock in the morning. So we decided we would get there at 7 to make sure that we got tickets. So we turned up to the ground, drove to the ticket office and joined the queue. The only problem was is that the queue where we joined the queue, it was by the ticket office, but the queue went round the outside of all four sides of the ground um, and it was a pretty long queue. Loads of people had been there way before us. And actually that day I queued for seven hours to get tickets for that game. And that game was incredible. We won the game 1-0. It was a Gary McAllister penalty from a Patrick Clivert handball. Um, we got through to the final. I remember all the details. The atmosphere was amazing. I went in with a voice and came out with no voice. Um, it was an amazing, amazing game. But while we were queuing, we had to battle through feelings of, is this worth it? We had to battle through feelings of hunger for something else. Hunger for going and sitting down, for starters. But hunger for food, we had to battle through, can I leave the queue to just go and do a wee? Like we had to, we even at one point, because the way Anfield is situated, we had to queue along a residential street. And at one point I saw a window open and next minute I heard Everton songs coming out the window. <laughs> Clearly that Everton fan was on the ball that day. And we even had to battle through the taunts of the enemy in order to get what we wanted. <laughs> but... But when we got it, and I've worked out actually, every semi-final that I've been to, Liverpool have won. Every final that I've been to, we've lost. That's why I'm not there today. <laughs> um, and, you know, if we were in life, the things that are worth having, we have to battle through for. And, you know, if we want to enter in fully to what God has for us, we have got to be willing to battle through some stuff. And it's often not the stuff that we talk about a lot, but we have to be willing to battle through. And we're, we're looking in the series as good as it gets as the, at the book of Joshua. And here, Joshua and the Israelites are in the promised land. They've entered in, but they're faced with their first big battle, and it's Jericho. And it's a massive city with, with huge walls around it, almost impossible. And if you want to turn with me, if you've got a Bible, it's Joshua 6. If you haven't got a Bible, don't panic. It's going to come up on the screens, uh, and we're going to read together. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? Good. Okay, we're going to start. Uh, now, the gate of Jericho was securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have the priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. 
So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the Ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the Ark of the Lord and blowing their trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. We're going to skip a couple of verses because Joshua just gives some specific instructions that we don't need to look at today. We're going to skip to verse 20 and it says this, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. This is a really significant moment in the story of Joshua and the story of the Israelites. They've entered into the promised land, but in order to enter fully into the promised land, they faced this battle at Jericho. They faced this huge city that looked impossible. And and for us today, the city of Jericho and the walls of Jericho represent the things that hold us back from entering into fully what God has for us. It represents those things that that are frustration, frustrating the barriers that we face, the things that we hold hold us back, things like addiction, illness, family breakdown, loss of jobs, stress, worry, hurt, identity, mindset, frustrations, all that stuff that stops us entering into what God has for us. That's what Jericho represents. It's a massive moment for the Israelites, and it's a massive moment for us if we're going to enter in. You know, you might be a new Christian this morning and you've, you've heard people say, you know, God's got a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You might have heard people say, Jesus said, you, I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness and all that is true. But at the moment you feel like, this is flipping hard work. It might be, Leon talked last week about, it might be that you've been a Christian for years and you feel stuck in a rut and you feel stuck in the wilderness and you're going round and round and there doesn't seem to be any breakthrough. Or it might even be that you're, you're trying to step out into what God's calling you to do and you feel like God's put something in you and you're trying to step out and all you keep facing is wall after wall, frustration, frustration, something going wrong, something isn't right. This morning, I want to talk to you guys because If you're sat in the venue or if you're sat in the venue plus, we have all got something in common today. We all face a Jericho. We all face battles in life. In the words of High School Musical, we are all in this together. (laughs) I can't believe I just quoted High School Musical in church, but it happened. 
And seeing as we're all in this together, um, I want to give you six points this morning on how to battle through. If we want to enter in, then I want to give you six points on how to battle through. And the first point is this. Remember the faithfulness of the past. You see, last week Leon talked about the Israelites stepping into the river and the river receding and then walking through the river. And then the next thing that we hear is they're at the walls of Jericho. You see, I don't think, had the Israelites not stepped foot in the river, then they probably wouldn't wouldn't have had the faith to walk around the walls. You see, they knew if God can be faithful in the river, he can be faithful in the walls. And, you know, if we're going to battle through, we have to remember God's faithfulness. When I was uh, 18, I went to meet with a, a church leader in Liverpool. He's a friend of my dad's, and I was just gleaning wisdom from him and leadership stuff and had, a, had coffee with him. And he was telling me about a, a well-known Christian leader that had approached the church and wanted them to take on this event. And, and my friend didn't feel it was right, and the, the church leadership didn't feel it was right. And he said, this church leader challenged him, and he said, he said where's your faith? And my friend responded, he said, where's my faith? He said, you're standing in it, mate. Because he'd grown, he said it like that as well, because he was a scouse. He said, you're standing in it, mate. <laughs> and he said, he said, you see, he'd grown that church from in the 80s of being a house church of 10 or 12 people to now on a Sunday they reached over six or 700 people on a Sunday. And, you know, he knew that God had been faithful in the past. And I wonder this morning, look, look, at, the, look at the floor, literally look at the floor, <laughs> And look at the, the walls. I nearly said the ceilings, but the ceilings that way. Look at the ceiling. Look around you. You are sat in the faithfulness of God this morning. Like six months ago, this place was a dive. And got, through the faithfulness of God, we've been able to, to renovate it. We've been able to keep reaching more and more people. Why? Because God is faithful. God can be faithful in the fire. He can be faithful in the river. And he will be faithful in the walls. You know, whenever I have friends visit or youth workers come and visit, I, I show them around our youth floor, which is absolutely incredible. And what I always share with them is I say, I, I am thankful that the people in 1986 who bought that building had the faithfulness to see it through. Because there was only 150 people in the church at that time. And they were faithful enough to believe that God would come through. And now on a Friday night, we reach more young people than we're in the church in 1986. We are standing in the faithfulness of God this morning. And as we, as we face battles, as we face stuff that we have got a battle through, we have to remember that God has been faithful before and he will be faithful again. And that doesn't just apply corporately, it applies individually as well. If you're a Christian this morning, you will know that God has been faithful in the past and God ain't changing. As you move forward and you face stuff, God will continue to be faithful to you. So point number one, remember the faithfulness of the past. Number two, feed yourself. In Joshua 5 verse 12, just before we we begin to talk about, about Jericho, it says this, the manna stopped the day after. They ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So they step into the promised land and God takes manna off the menu. Manna was literally bread coming from heaven. God was going, yeah, have that to eat. Yeah, have that to eat. And God, when they step into the promised land, goes, it's time to learn to feed yourself, guys. You know, if we want to grow and mature as Christians, we have to learn to feed ourselves. If we want to battle through the stuff and enter fully into what God has got for us, then you can't just rely on a Sunday morning. 
when I uh, was 16 or 17, me and my friends felt like we weren't getting what we needed from a Sunday morning. So we said to each other, let's meet together. Let's meet, let's open the Bible together, let's pray, let's talk about stuff. And, uh, and we met and we essentially, we formed a life group with just three of us. Um, but we knew if we were going to grow and mature, we had to feed ourselves. And it wasn't that profound. It was like, oh, I really like that girl. Yeah, I could see that you really like that girl. Let's pray about it. And then, like, it wasn't that powerful at all. But it was important. <laughs> it was really important that we fed ourselves. You know, if we want to mature, if we want to grow, then we have got to begin to feed ourselves. Number three, know who is with you. Again, right before we hear about Jericho, um, Joshua is near Jericho, it says in, in 5, 13 to 14. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? You see, this moment is what's called a theophany. It's a pre-birth appearance of Jesus. This is Jesus meeting Joshua before one of the greatest battles that he's ever felt, uh, ever faced. And, you know, as we go into battles, we need to know that we do not face this alone. That Jesus, the commander of the angel armies, is by our side. And it's really interesting because he asks, he asks an interesting question that I think most of us would ask if we saw a man with a sword. We'd be like, are you for us or, or for our enemies? Like, I was, um, I was chatting to my mum last night because they've, they've gone down to Wembley for the cup final today. And I was like, oh, you know, I wish I was coming, but, you know, I've got to preach at church. And, and my mum was like, well, if you're preaching in the morning, God will bless you in the afternoon and we'll win. <laughs> and I was like, mum, it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. And, but we would all be asking, God, are you on our side? Are you with us? And Jesus says neither. It's really interesting. And I think it's because of this. I think God is for his people. And Leon mentioned last week of the things that were going on in Canaan that were so perverse and, and the things that were going on in Jericho, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And God had given them hundreds of years to repent. And had in that moment, the people of Jericho said, we're sorry we're getting it wrong. Then we're reading a very different story today. Because you need to know if you're a Christian, God is for you. And you need to know if you're not a Christian this morning, God is for you. God is not angry with you. God is not distant. He is for you. And he is waiting for you to say, God, I, I, I want to be on your side. See, it ain't a question of whether God's on our side. It's a question of whether we're on God's side. And it's about aligning ourselves with God and saying, God, I want to be where you are calling me to be. So God is not distant. God is not angry with you. Whether you follow God or not, you need to know that God is for you. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you've got it wrong, God is not angry with you. He loves you and he is for you. Point number four. Put God at the center. In 6 verse 12 and 13, it says this. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark and blowing their trumpets. So you've got the ark of the, ark of the Lord, ark of the covenant. You've got the priests just in front of it. And then it says, um, the armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. So the ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. 
See, Joshua, when he wanted to break through, when he wanted to win a battle, he put the presence of God and God at the center of his battle plan. And I think when we face battles and things get tough, it is so easy to go to things that aren't helpful. It's so easy to divert away from putting God at the center. And often, putting God at the center is the battle itself. But actually, we have to work hard. We have to work hard to, to keep making sure that we get plugged into church. If you're not in a life group, get plugged into a life group. It's brilliant. It's a way of, of keeping God at the center of your life. If we want to bow through and we want to step in and enter into everything that God has got for us, we have to keep God at the center. Number five, commit to obedience. He's absolutely bonkers what God asks Joshua to do here he's absolutely crazy who wins a battle with trumpets I mean can you imagine being the people of Jericho looking out over the walls and going oh there's them crazy Israelites just going for a walk again what do they think that's gonna like it is absolutely crazy and and what's interesting is that Joshua commits to obedience because he he tells he tells all the army I don't want to hear a word from you I want you to all be quiet until I say shout and when I say shout, then shout. But until then, don't say anything. Because what he's saying is, I don't want to hear what you've got to say. I don't want to hear the voice of someone that isn't God. I want to commit to listening to God. I don't want to hear wise words or, or good battle plans. I want to follow God. And if we want to battle through, we have to commit to obedience. And, um, you know, we see, we see time in moments, don't we? We see moments moment moment it's all chronological but we have to understand that God sees it like that and right at the start of of the story of Jericho in 6 verse 2 it says then the Lord said to Joshua see I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men that's before he's given them the battle plan that's before he said walk around the walls and here's what I'm going to do and bang 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 he says I've already given it to you all you've got to do is do as you're told and you'll get it and, you know, we are, it's easy to say from a stage and it's easy to nod when, when you go, but it's hard to do in real life, isn't it? And actually, we have to commit to being obedient and saying, I'm going to focus on the voice of God. That's the only thing that I'm going to let change my direction or influence where I'm going is the voice of God. We have to commit to obedience. And, you know, Joshua stood there and the, and the walls are still standing, but God's saying, I've given you it. You, you, all you need to do is follow me and when I was in my early 20s and I first got a full-time job, I was buzzing because I had money and I was like, yes, I've got money. And then I was like, I can spend money. Um, and actually, I really struggled to manage my finances. And um, one Friday night, I went to this church event and uh, the, guy was, the guy was doing like a little pre-worship talk. Uh, and he was talking about finance and giving into the house of God and all this kind of stuff. And I was sat there listening going, yeah, but I can't afford to. I've spent all my money for this month. I can't afford to give God. And I'm like wrestling with God. And then I just felt God say, Andy, I want you to give £100 tonight. And I was like, are you messing? <laughs> are you having a laugh, God? And um, I battled with God and I wrestled with him for a bit. And I just thought, sack it, I'm going to do it. So I wrote, wrote out, filled in the form and, and put it in and then spent the rest of the event sweating. Um, I spent the whole weekend stressed about it. On Monday, I went to work and when I came back home, there was a letter waiting for me. And I opened the letter and it was a cheque for £100. And I just felt God say, if you're obedient, I've got your back. If you follow me, I will be faithful. 
And you know, I'm not saying if you give 100 quid in the offering that God's going to give you it back. God was teaching me a lesson there about obedience. And actually, over the next year or so, God began to teach me about managing my finances. Um, And I think the Israelites, as they walked around the walls, will have known how big they were. You know, after day two or day three, they're probably looking at the walls going, they're flipping massive, those walls. Like, there's no way we could have got through there. If we're going to break through, it's going to be God. That's the only way these walls can come down. That's why I reckon they were so committed to obedience. And point number six, my final point, number six, don't stop on six. It's really interesting what happens because God tells Joshua, you're going to walk around the walls for six days and then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven times. But then Joshua doesn't tell the army. So can you imagine being in the army and like, you know, you, you come home from work and your wife's like, you know, oh, have you had a good day? And he's like, yeah, it's all right. And she's like, oh, how many people did you kill? It's like, you know, when I come home from football and my wife's like, how many goals did you score? And I'm like, none. And like, Josh, the, the army guy comes home and he's like, Joshua's got us doing this really weird thing. Like, I didn't kill anyone. I've got like my multifunctional sword with a scope on it. It's, it's like really, I've got the new iOS on it. And I'm like, I'm ready to kill people. And, and Joshua's got us walking around. And the worst thing is we're not allowed to speak. And it, like, it, must, it must have absolutely twisted their minds. And they, they must have been, you know, on day three, he's got, if, I, if I walk around them walls one more time, I'm going to kick off. And, you know, there's no, there's no development there either. Like, if I was God, which we may as well take a moment and just thank God that I'm not God. <laughs> but if I was God, I'd have given them some encouragement. I'd have, you know, as they're walking around, I'd have gone, see, look, there's a little crack there. Do you know what I mean? Maybe on, on day five, I'd have brought a section of the wall down and gone, it's coming, it's coming. But God doesn't do that. They just have to keep being faithful, even though they don't see signs of breakthrough. And, you know, I want to say, don't stop on six. Don't stop on lap six. Don't give up. You know, when I was preparing, I got a sense that some of us have perhaps sat down and gone, I give up. I can't battle anymore. I'm not seeing any breakthrough. Maybe some of us have given up. And you know, if you give up now, you'll never know if, if you were on your last lap. You could be on your last lap of the walls, but if you give up now, you'll never know. You won't see breakthrough if you give up now. And maybe some of us have said, this is as good as it gets. I'm going to just live in the shadow of Jericho. I'm going to live with this thing that holds me back because I can't seem to break through it. And you've given up. And I want to say to you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. I get how you feel. I've been in this place time and time again, and I'm sure I'll be here again. But please don't stop on six. You've come too far in your life with Christ to go back to your old life. Please don't stop on six. Don't stop circling those walls because God is the master of breakthroughs and he will break through. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned illness before, and I, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that, that if you keep circling the walls, God will heal you. God might heal you, but he won't definitely. And I don't understand all that stuff. But I know what, what is true is that we can enter fully into what God has got for us, carrying illness. We can enter fully into what God has for us and be unemployed. We can enter in fully and still be limping. Because the thing is, is the walls don't just represent the stuff that holds us back. It represents the effect that the walls have on us. And you know, I think this morning God wants to break some walls down. 
And so I'm going to invite the, the band back in. Um, we're gonna, the band are going to sing a song called uh, Break Every Chain. And the words are, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Oh man, I believe that. I believe that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break down the stuff that holds us back from entering in fully to what God has got for us. So I wonder, while, while the band sing that song, I want you, to, you probably know already, but what, is, what does Jericho represent for you? What are the things that you're frustrated with that you need to see come down in your life? Maybe the effects of some stuff. Maybe it's the effects of the past. And you need to say, God, I, I need those walls to come down. Whatever it is, as we're singing this song over you, I want you to picture those things and begin to pray and speak out and say, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you. Oh God, I thank you that you are the God of Joshua. God, you led Joshua around those walls, God, and you, you're leading those around some walls right now. God, I pray that, that by your spirit and, and through your power, we would see walls broken down this morning. God, we want to enter in fully to what you have for us. So God, I pray now as we, as we sing, you would begin to just stir some stuff up in us. God, would you meet with us even more? Amen.